I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You're listening to Text Message, the UK-focused technology podcast with me, Nate Langson. And me, Ian Morris. And if you're one of our Patreon supporters, this is your extended ad-free version of the show. And thank you to patrons, including... In fact, you know what? I'm going to include everyone who's listening to us live uh, at the moment. John, we've got John Evans, we've got Mike, we've got Nick Gassman, Pangolin Sandwich, Richard Taylor, all supporting us directly. And you can join them, get access to our full-length ad-free show and our Patreon-exclusive weekly sister show, Extra Message, which this week I recorded in a forest by going to patreon.com forward slash UK tech. Ian, how great it is to be with you once again today. Uh, Thanks very much. It's really lovely to be here. What will be interesting for everyone this week who is a patron is that our Patreon-only story, which normally we fully script out and research like we do any other section of the show, uh, this week is entirely derived off the top of our head because we talked about something that's better than anything we're going to talk about over the next 30 minutes so look forward to that patrons um but let's get into the actual news first and we're going to start with nine to five mac which wrote up that apple announced it's brought digital health records to uk iphone users this means the medical history your doctor has on his or her screen can be mirrored on your device now there are some massive holes we need to look at here uh, which i'm sure ian is something a doctor has also once said to you (laughs) <laughs> Maybe sure. to many patients. Um, but firstly, let's talk about the benefits. Apple says this feature is going to bring together hospitals, clinics and uh, existing health app that is on the, the the device to provide, quote, a fuller snapshot of health. Uh, it also said, uh, I'm just going to quote this. Previously, patients' medical records were held in multiple locations, requiring patients to log in to each healthcare provider's website to piece together their health information manually. Health records creates a direct connection between medical institutions and a patient's iPhone, allowing users to see a central view of their allergies, conditions, immunizations, lab results, medications, procedures, and vitals across multiple institutions, and to be notified when the data is updated. Now, in principle, this means if you go to a doctor and say, what's this leaking out for? Or why does this go like that when I poke it like this? Um, That assessment then goes into the GP's computer and will then go securely onto your phone. Now, it might be the result of, I don't know, I say it, I'm thinking about something leaking out of you that shouldn't do. It may be the result of a shellfish allergy or pollen or peanuts or something like that. These are some of the examples that Apple gave. And all of these allergies would then appear under the allergies tab in the health app along with the date that they were documented. There are some other tabs as well uh, that will be included here. Lab results, immunizations, other known conditions, the kind of medication you're on. And in a separate support document for doctors, which I read through and is actually more interesting than press release, frankly, um, Apple said it's going to use multiple standards um, for electronic health records and APIs to access them to make sure that records are interoperable and therefore transferable between institutions and presumably between devices and even between android and uh, ios etc etc that's the good stuff 
or at least that's the PR pitch of the good stuff. Um, let's talk question marks. Uh, Apple said that the UK launch, bearing in mind this has been out in the US for a couple of years, uh, the UK launch is only initially for patients at two NHS trusts, albeit a pair of very large ones, Oxford University Hospital's NHS Foundation Trust, which Apple helpfully also notes is in Oxford, and the Milton Keynes University Hospital NHS Trust, which again is helpfully noted is in Milton Keynes. Now, these places are more than just a local GP surgery. They're jointly a collection of many hospital facilities and research centers, and there's large numbers of doctors and practitioners and things. But for this to be seen as anything other than an experiment, equivalent to dipping a, a toe in the water, or a, or a gloved fingertip, maybe, on the uh, periphery of a problematic orifice, um, <laughs> it would be a stretch. Again, no no pun intended actually with with that terminology um so what, what what's your what's your takeaway on this excuse me sorry i've uh, had a bit of uh, medical gas there <laughs> that's not in the uh, description i i feel good about the idea of having a portable health record i have to say i mean i i guess i'm kind of as worried as anyone about it leaking out um if again if that, that could be part of the problem yes um but i, I yeah I, I i generally think that it's probably a fairly low risk strategy uh I mean, a lot of people write about what happens if you know you're you're held ransom by someone who who gets the details of your health record but realistically i think these days there's probably not a huge amount that would enable that to happen but also i i, I kind of trust my phone more than I trust people. Um, I mean, I know where my phone is at all times. I know that it's relatively well secured. I know that the data on it's quite well encrypted. I know it's extremely challenging um, for people to hack into it or 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 get access to that data, if, even if they have access to the physical device. So I kind of feel as if this might just be a, a, something that's a great benefit. Um, and I, I, I know that you've been a, a, a frequent user of... Um, Doctors. Uh, well, not, not, not frequent user, but you've certainly used online healthcare, haven't you? And oh, yeah. I, I recently had cause to do the same because obviously during the pandemic, going out to see a doctor is is less practical. But also, who wouldn't want to have a, a sort of over the phone consultation? Um, because it, it's just easier, isn't it? Uh, and my experience was very good, like yours. Um, I'm quite lucky. My company provides access to um, a, a service. It's not a it's not itself private healthcare, but the the company provides, in addition to private healthcare, another service which gives you access to a GP. Mm. Um, so I, I did that and, and and had a chat and scheduled it in for a convenient time. And I was waiting there when that time came round, and so was the doctor. Did the thing now? How good would it be if I could say to her, "Oh, look here, here is my entire medical history for you to look at." Um, and if there was a way to do that simply, it would be fantastic, wouldn't it? Now, that's that's the intention. And all of that that you just described is what is technically made possible by this sort of a system. But right now, it's it's limited in scope just because it needs every individual NHS trust or private healthcare operator to sign up and to connect this. And there are lots of different types of electronic health records, which... I didn't go into too much detail in with the research here. Safe to say it's not like there's just one standard that every single doctor uh, uses, regardless uh, in England and Wales, for example. However, there are apps that I discovered uh, and websites that do offer 
what to my eyes look like a richer offering. There's one called Evergreen Life, which I have no knowledge about, but it's one the NHS itself was promoting on the website. Uh, it's on iOS and Android, and the website says you can share your GP medical record uh, at all... G uh, Sorry, you can access your GP's medical record at all GP practices in England. Uh, it also lets you share up-to-date health information with family uh, securely, it notes, so that you know they all have the latest info about you if, for example, you're uh, incapacitated um, and can't t talk about your medicine. I almost said uh, if you're decapitated, and I'll be honest, there's not a lot of medicine that will help with that. Perhaps glue, but certainly not paracetamol. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, yes, I, I'm like like you. I'm I'm sort of on board with this um, because it does feel like the smart way to go. But like anything that is connected in some way to government or regulation, the only way this is going to be truly useful is if everyone is is signed up to it, if it's open and interoperable and easy. And yep. all the component pieces do seem to be there. But I was looking at the figures for adoption in the US, which is a bigger country with many more people. And there's something like 11,000 facilities that have signed up to this in some form but that's not a well, it's lot a tiny fragment surely i mean that in, must that must be less than i would imagine that might not even be one percent surely and 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 that's in and that's in two years i mean admittedly the u.s healthcare system is is very very different to the uk's but nonetheless the interest of doctors and uh and people in having access to healthcare at least should have the same sort of desire and i would have thought that it would have been further however you've got to start somewhere and maybe this is yeah. where you have to start might be a good one to get um tom Merritt's take on actually you, you could ask if uh, if he's got any insight into how um the, the system works over there because i in my head i imagine that medical records would likely be held by the insurer um in a lot of cases but i don't i i'm not speaking from any experience so it'd be interesting to have an actual Americans it's sort of explanation about how it all works uh, well, because there is no national health service is there there are things that are national and health services but there is no sort of what I mean there's like Medicaid and stuff like that but again that you know you perhaps wouldn't be in those systems if you were had always been a private health care uh, user so it would be quite interesting to hear that but yeah I mean with the NHS presumably and this is how I've always understood it and I and, and I'm again I'm open to be corrected my understanding is that there is a physical file that contains all of your records forever um, and when you when you are with a GP the GP would request and hold that file and then if you left that GP and moved to another then it would be when you left it would be sent back to central NHS archives or whatever and then if you then rejoined another GP then it you know it would be it would be re-requested by that GP but again I don't know if that's how it works so it would be quite interesting to uh, to sort of hear I know there was a plan wasn't there to um, computerize the entire NHS database and it cost a lot of money and it never happened so do we do we then maybe think well actually this is a gift isn't it like like our um sort of covid app is it is it better if we let apple and google come up with a, a system that's sort of secure and open and let them handle the backbone of health records um and then we build you know our own services around that which make use of them I don't want either of those companies handling all my health records. Well, you say don't want them handling, but we're not necessarily talking about handling, are we? We're talking about giving you the option to have it on your phone. 
but in a way that is secure. I, I, I think of it very much like that, the, the COVID app, um, in that it doesn't, they don't have to ever have your records. It's not about that. It's about providing a standard way of recording things. And then, you know, the government would be in charge of having those records, but it would be able to communicate with your phone securely. And then you would be able to say, uh, say if you were in America or on holiday or something and you you fell ill, you'd be able to give the doctor your phone and go, well, here's my medical record kind of thing. I don't, you know, just that as an example. We've had some nice insight from Nick in our live chat as we're talking, where he says, if you get a test at a hospital and then go to another one, they won't necessarily know about the first one. Exactly. Uh, whereas GP records will get um, passed on. So, um Yes, he uh, has some experience, I think, he says, with family members there. Um, so it's it's not a perfect system. And certainly I've seen these paper records before now because I remember not even that long ago, maybe 10 years ago when I was living in Southwark, I remember going into a doctor's surgery for an appointment and they physically went to get my record out of a filing cabinet. Yeah. I wasn't even yeah, that long ago, really. There is, there is definitely a paper record. I mean, a GP surgery will have paper records. I'm sure they may have them on computer as well. Yeah. Um, but they might. But that might be a GP sort of clinic thing. It might be because you know we all know that a GP is not. They're not necessarily. It's not owned by the NHS. It's usually a private healthcare provider which has a license to have the NHS name attached to it, and then you know, it claims money back from the government based on the services it offers. So, you know, there's probably a hundred different ways of doing it, although I'd be surprised if there wasn't sort of a standard. As Nick says in the chat room, they, they have electronic systems that don't talk to each other. And this is this is true. The left hand does not always talk to the right when it comes to uh, medical practitioners. Um, although if you believe your left hand is talking to your right, um, then you probably should see a doctor. Although... That's not health advice. It's just intuition. Uh, they're, they're not really talking to each other, are they? They're, but the brain talks to both. Your your left hand probably doesn't know what your right hand is doing, um, but your brain should know what both is doing. <laughs> uh, yeah. Pang, Pang, <laughs> Pangolin Sandwich <laughs> says in the chat room, uh, who's a veterinary nurse, uh, says, kind of baffling this because um, the vets I work for has hundreds of branches and all the records are connected. So an animal can be seen at any branch and we can see the records. That's exactly how it should be. And I'll tell you Aww. something. My local dentist um, only got a computer last year. Wow. Yep. I'm, actually, you say that, but um, I'm not, I, I don't seem to recall my dental records being computerized so it's probably quite fairly common lots of good insights and observations here um if you have one do let us know uk tech show at icloud.com that's where you can send us your opinions or of course if you have found something oozing out of a place it shouldn't you are better off going to a doctor's and not listening to this People in the UK, Ian, spent much longer chatting on the phone in the first few weeks of lockdown, research has suggested. Uh, this is according to a BBC write-up this week, which itself was citing media regulator Ofcom. Ofcom said the time spent talking on mobiles, quote, rose significantly, uh, by almost 50% actually, after the announcement of the measures back in March. I've got some additional numbers here, Ian. 
here I go with the divulging of search. Average, <laughs> average <laughs> call time rose from three minutes, 40 seconds, to nearly five and a half minutes. And the research also showed a boom in phone use in parks and green spaces as, and this is according to the BBC, people found reasons to go outdoors. Hmm. But as might be more readily expected, mobile phone connections dropped dramatically in inner cities. I suppose that's not really surprised, right? Because no one was going there. Mm. I'm, I'm getting, I'm, I'm getting a kind of, um, what's this feeling? It's a kind of anger building within me. Um, well, I can see an anger building in Nick in our chat room because he just said you? in our chat, if my wife had to cut her calls to only five and a half minutes, her head would explode. <laughs> um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm angry because I, I'm don't really know why mobile companies are <clears throat> sort of paying attention and tracking this in such detail it's uh it seems an unnecessary use of their data to me mm. well just to continue a little bit here um the report uh, quoted well itself uh, its authors as saying the areas showing a notable increase in mobile activity during lockdown were mostly residential often with parks or open spaces examples included london's richmond park i know there's a very interesting fox who used to live in richmond nah. park yes there is uh there's a good book about it too uh, edinburgh's inverleith park and lavernock vale of glamorgan so outdoor areas. So people making more phone calls inside, but then going for a walk and pulling out the phone and having a chat with relatives. Um, one other interesting little factoid here. Um, Ofcom said that... Um, Factoids are facts that are not true, Nate. Just is, that, that, just a, is that itself just a, a factoid? No, it's a fact. Is that true? Yeah. No. Don't, don't use factoid when you mean fact. It's, uh, it's it, yeah, it's... Yeah. So in Red Dwarf, when they called things bazookoids, is is that because they weren't really bazookas? <laughs> I don't know, Nate. Or a, I... or a planetoid, because it's not really a planet. Uh, mm, that's a good... Well, yeah, I suppose a planetoid is... What, what is it? A small... You're listening mm. to Real <laughs> Questions with Ian and Nate. Tomorrow, how long should you sneeze for before feeling guilty for enjoying it anyway ofcom was saying that um although the number of uh, of the amount of talk time had risen it wasn't being done over regular phones people was, were, were doing this over things like whatsapp voice calls and zoom and stuff which we kind of knew um but i thought it was just interesting that no matter how how great the volume of calling uh, becomes it it's not that it clicks over to using the tele regular telephone network well yes um I, and um i mean I, aside from the obvious uh yeah I i'm mean, looking forward to the end of this insight well i mean there isn't anything beyond the obvious is there yes it's quite likely that people will spend more time on the phone when deprived of eye-to-eye -eye contact with people um it's also unsurprising that some of that use was outside because it was a nice summer uh i think i seem to remember when we always kicked off it was a relatively mild spring uh with with plenty of sun to enjoy so the fact that people were outside is not surprising um i i think i think the big story here is that mobile networks have obviously been um plundering the data they collect to create 
um, a report of some kind, and I don't see why they should do that. Uh, and I think we should all use VPNs more. Am I am I being unfairly reactionary in the fact that I feel that this might not be the the greatest idea in the world? What that people phone each other? Well, no, that 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 the the Ofcom has sort of released a report that it's clearly got data from operators about you know, call duration, call location. I mean, I know it's going to be anonymized and everything, but really? You know, it's it it's like it's like um it's like those articles that Pornhub writes about, you know, what people are watching and when you know, and when it's Star Wars day, the amount of Princess Leah porn searches goes up exponentially. You know, I mean, first of all, it's it's fairly obvious, and second of all, it's a bit of a, you know, I mean, it's not identifying anyone, is it? But even so, well, well while you were just dispensing that that insight about uh, pornographic Princess Leia content, uh, I did look up how Ofcom gathered this data, and this is great. This is right at the very bottom of an article. The and from the BBC, the research was based on two hundred thousand Android phones around the UK iPhones were not included because mm. their security settings prevent data being collected in the background. <laughs> oh, God, it gets worse. So I'm actually not wrong in this no. case. They you, were actually... jo- you were joking, but you were right. Well, I wasn't really joking. I mean, I, I'm sort of trying to walk a line here between stupid paranoia and a, and a reasonable expectation of privacy. Hmm. And I'm sure that it wasn't that bad. But the, where? so who's? what app is this? Like, what have people got installed that is enabling them to gather this data is there some ofcom app that i don't know about well that's the thing normally when you read these things it's something like um was it is it open signal or the speed mm. test apps and things like that um they often are used on aggregate but but they're also very transparent about how they gather data you know it's yeah it's, it's i think if you if you're going to use a speed test it's not unreasonable for them to take that data and go hey virgin media is on average this speed etc have you had a five and a half minute phone call with somebody during lockdown? Would you like to tell us with whom that took place? And um, when and in what location, please? Yeah, exactly. And you can do all of that or send us something much more interesting uh, by sending an email to uktechshow at icloud.com. I can't wait to sell this data. Please be aware if you email us when you did what, where and when, uh, we will be monetizing that. I'll be um, be cashing in. Very nice. <laughs> Freak wrote this week that in other countries, the UK is often used as a prime example of how pirate site blocking injunctions can function effectively. However, however, over the past several years, movie and music companies haven't requested any new blocks at the ISP level, and as a result, new pirate sites have been able to flourish in Britain. The blog wrote that the last blocking request from Hollywood Studios dates back and I love the terminology Torrent Freak used here, dates back roughly years ago. <laughs> uh, how how wonderfully vague. Um, but anyway, it said there hasn't been any request from record labels since 2013 either. So as a result, Torrent Freak uh, goes on, new pirate sites and those that haven't been blocked were able to grow their audiences without much trouble. 
As a result, Torrent Freak continues, new pirate sites and those that haven't been blocked were able to grow their audiences without much trouble. And indeed, the blog says, if you look at the 500 most visited sites in the UK, names including Magnet DL, Filmix, Look Movie, Rutor, Nine Anime, they all show up. Uh, and, and a site like Magnet DL, apparently uh, for that site, uh, about a quarter of all traffic comes from the UK, where it conveniently oh. isn't blocked. Now, Torrent Freak suggests that part of the reason is simply the result of a cost-benefit analysis on behalf of copyright owners. It, esti- it was estimated, had it been estimated officially in the past, that uh, an unopposed application for what's called a Section 97A blocking order costs about 14,000 quid per site and maintaining it costs another three and a half grand or so a year. So with hundreds of sites being blocked uh, from a BitTorrent level, uh, BitTorrent sites that is, the costs can be quite significant. That's that's definitely true. But the other factor in this I think that's worth uh, talking a bit about here, and I'm sure you'll have a view on this, is that there is a growing battle against so-called stream ripping, uh, which kind of does what it says on the tin and the british phonographic industry group told torrent freak that it planned to do more to block stream ripping ripping services next year with court action so this is essentially software that is ripping your spotify's your apple music's your um netflix's and all these sorts of things uh, and circumventing the need to go to a pirate website or BitTorrent or something because you can just access it and stream it you know rip it from the server well, so how's that working? A lot of, they're, they're talking about uh, one person having a Netflix account and then the stream ripping service uses that to download all of Netflix's shows. Is that what well, they're... It's, well, no, I mean, it's, it's, no, it's, it's a catch-all because things like Netflix and Amazon, they have encryption keys and they're not, as far as I'm aware, uh, widely known, but the kind of underground scene groups, the ripping groups, they do know those keys and they can decrypt those well, downloads. Well, they can because you can download things from Netflix and Amazon Prime quite easily, can't you, if you so wanted. I mean, Not I wouldn't qu- want to because I have both services, but... Ditto. I've, I, I haven't tried to do that either because... But why? you do see why it. Would you I mean, you know, it's perfectly possible to download episodes of everything. Yes. The Grand Tour is a good example, isn't it? Well, yeah, of course it is, because it was it was a very popular show that everyone wanted, but it was exclusive to Prime. Um, but but the thing is, whatever it is, like stream ripping is a thing, and I think it means really when when we hear stream ripping, we're talking about somebody who has paid a subscription, um, which means you can access what you want or you can eat, but it goes away if you stop paying. But if you were to just pay ten pounds a month and then go on and stream rip mm. everything you possibly want in good quality from the source and then stop paying, you know, even if you account for the fact that you could get a free trial of almost any of these services anyway, you basically might not need to ever pay anything to any of these services. But this, you get a trial, rip everything you want, and then cancel. This is confusing because it's come from the British phonographic industry, right? So. Yes. They're not. But, they're not alone in this. They're just the ones that said they're going to start taking this into mm, courts next okay. year. Well, and it's it's more it's 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 a better use of their money than it is to try and block at the ISP level torrent sites. That is not to be confused with Torrent Freak, the blog we're we're reading from here, um, because fewer people are using that. More people are paying for streaming services, but therefore more people are using that as a source to rip from and that's who yeah. they want to now target um i mean I, I do know that one of the big, big problems is years ago it was quite easy to um get a, a card sharing 
box for Sky, so you could get um, like a Linux satellite receiver, and then you would be able to um, use the encryption data from someone else's subscription to uh, to decode the encryption key on your TV, uh, which was quite clever, really. Uh, and then Sky upped the ante and changed the encryption keys, so it was it was changing something like you know once every millisecond or something like that and there was no way that anyone could keep up with that you couldn't you couldn't decrypt the key quick enough and send it over the internet in order for it to work it would just be a mess um and then both virgin media and sky both uh, implemented new encryption schemes that made that completely impossible but the new thing is ip tv streaming where um someone central will take tv channels encode them and then send them out to subscribers so that, you know, you pay 50 quid a year or something like that and you get access to all Sky's channels via a stream. Now, Sky obviously does stream its own channels, so it's possible that that's the source of them as well Um, and that somehow they're taking that data stream from sort of Sky Go or whatever the service is called and, and then allowing other people to watch that on their TVs. Of course, the quality isn't as good as if you were getting it off the satellite itself, but it's still... Um, a, probably a big problem for Sky if people aren't paying. Uh, so I wonder if that's part of this as well. Well, these all form parts of the 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 new war, if you like, that um, the copyright industry is is quietly waging. And it, but it it feels like it's a much quieter, much more subtle war compared to say ten or twelve years ago, where we would hear stories about deceased grandparents being sued for downloading three songs or people being sued a hundred thousand dollars per song that they were caught uploading or something like, i just can't remember the last time we heard a story like that we hear them occasionally about site operators that are doing it on mass um, but really what i think the certainly this torrent freak story helps as bookend is that we're probably past the point where the copyright industry cares that much about BitTorrent, at least in the uk because the bigger threat is stream ripping and and that's probably a good well, place to it is. end this story. Uh, well, and, and artists have lightly shut up about copyright. And I don't mean that in a disrespectful way, but they've probably their, their problem now is the fact that they're not getting enough of their share from record companies when their um, music is on Spotify, which is a problem. Anyway, mm. any thoughts? Of course, very welcome. UK Tech Show at iCloud dot com. You're used to hearing the smooth, velvet sound of Nate's voice drizzled over your ears like a warm eardrum syrup, topped off with the freshly squeezed citrus tang of an Ian Morris opinion. Supporters of the show at patreon.com forward slash UK tech enjoy second helpings every week. So pull up a chair, find your nearest spoon, and tuck into a sumptuous extra helping with no commitment. If you have any allergies, please inform a waiter. On our extended version of the show this week for patrons, we talked at length, entirely unprompted and unscripted, about um, a woman 
who posted a video of how to make British tea by boiling water in a mug in a microwave, adding a tea bag afterwards and so on and so forth. We had a great debate about whether she was joking or not, concluded she probably was, and frankly, it was probably a more interesting discussion than anything we've talked about on the show. So if you would like to hear that conversation, that will be out as of now on our Patreon uh, subscription version of the show, which you can get as a trial or a continuation whichever by going to patreon.com forward slash UK tech. It's time though for us to dip our toe in Tom Merritt's water which is a horrible mental image and I apologize but Tom has been talking about the wider world of tech this week. Tom fill us in. It was Creator Week on DTNS. Shayna Moon talked to us about narrative game design, how they make stories work in video games. Carrie Smith gave us an inside look at the world of visual effects. Turns out, when you don't think it's there, it is. And it was done perfectly. Mark Johnson explained how he takes musicians famous and unknown around the world and has them perform on one amazing song without ever meeting each other. Brian Brushwood shared insights on how to make your hobby your job. And Frank Ippolito talked to us about the tech of props and costumes. All that and a whole lot more at DailyTechNewsShow.com. Thank you, Tom. Wonderful to hear from you, as always. Uh, Ian, it is almost as nice to hear from you as well. Thank you for Good. being here. Oh, it's been uh, my pleasure, Nate. I think it's been a, a, I think a concise but interesting show this week. I'll be honest with you. I think this has been, whether you're listening to the free version or the full full-length version, this has been one of my favourite shows of the year so far. Oh, excellent, excellent. And I mean, if we could just beseech upon the tech industry to, you know, actually do something next week. Uh, so we've got some stuff to talk about. That'd be just swell. I'll be perfectly honest with you. Um, there were a couple of stories that we may have talked about and decided not to. One was about a seagull wrestling a drone out of the air. And the other one <sighs> was a story I read in Wired about an artist who made a copper-lined replica of Edward's, Edward Snowden's head. We didn't talk about either of those, but if you would like us to, maybe we'll do an extra message about it or we'll talk about it next week. Um, or just go and read Wired or something. But either way, we will be back in a week's time. I hope you will too. Have a magnificent bit of time in between those two things. (laughs) (laughs) Or week, as it's sometimes known. Oh, toodle pip, everybody. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.